Hey, what's up there, guys? Uh, this is the Mystery Meat Podcast. My name is Ruben, and with me is my two co-hosts, Kareem and Robbie. Uh, say hey, guys. Hey. Heavy metal. Heavy metal. All right, uh, we got three albums up for you guys, like always. Uh, first up will be Absolute Power uh, by Tech 9 and then uh, My Teenage Dream Ended by Farrah Abraham. And then lastly, Kareem will present us Black Sabbath 2014 Remastered by Black Sabbath. So just to dive right in uh, is our first album, Absolute Power by Tech 9 The Paragon of the Chicken House. And I'm just going to give you just a brief little uh, history about Tech 9 His name is Aaron Dantes Yates, uh, better known as the stage name Tech 9 he is an American rapper, and in 1999, he and business partner Travis Oguin, hope I didn't botch that, founded the record label Strange Music. He has sold over 2 million albums and has had his music featured in film, television, and video games. Uh, his stage name originated from the Tech 9 semi-automatic handgun, a name given to him by rapper Black Walt due to his fast rhyming chopper style. Yates later applied a deeper meaning to the name, stating that it stands for the complete technique of rhyme, with tech meaning technique, and nine representing the number of completions. Despite uh, minimal mainstream success himself, he has featured many mainstream artists on his albums, including E-40, Ice Cube, 3-6 Mafia, B.O.B., Twista, Buster Rhymes, Kendrick Lamar, Lil Wayne, T-Pain, Snoop Dogg, The Game, Wiz Khalifa, CeeLo Green, T.I., 2 Chains, Corey Taylor of Slipknot, Eminem, Logic, and Boys to Men. So he's collaborated with quite a few people. He's been active since freaking the, uh, the early 90s, 1991. Basically, when uh, Strange Music was kind of being founded. Uh, so he's been just on a absolute kind of like this path of not totally underground i guess i would say but he just never broke through the mainstream like rap radio kind of thing what we're gonna uh go on to right now is absolute power uh, which is his fourth studio album it was officially his very first album released through this his strange music label and production was handled by several record producers, including Ruben Bonix, Armstrong, and several others. And it uh, features guest appearances from 47th Street Rogue Dog Villains, D12, Chris Khalifa, Cut Calhoun, Skater Man, and Snug Brim, among others. Uh, the album peaked at 79 on the Billboard 2000. And the hook from the song I'm a Player Samples is inspired by the song Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. It has about, uh, what, like 20 tracks on it? It's, um, uh, it's... Yeah, about 20 tracks before you get into a LP that was released on top of it called More Power, which I've never heard of, but yeah, 20 tracks. Yeah. Um, and all in all, for me, uh, it's an absolute fucking banger. I cannot find a single song that I don't like. I think really the main thing I really like about Tech Nine is always his kind of his beats. I really, really like his uh, the beats that are produced. Um, every because every song was kind of just even if the lyrics were just kind of like okay, that's 
that's weird and funny, Tech Nine, and I'm pretty sure you just Ryan DeMayo with Mayo because you're bored. But his beats are on fire to me. His beats are fucking awesome. Uh, what, what did you guys think? This was one of my favorite Tech Nine albums. However, I think, um, especially in recent years with Tech Nine, and I'm going on something you said. So Tech was always too quote unquote weird to become a mainstream rapper for whatever reason. And that's why he was always one of the bigger underground rappers. He kind of had that reputation Big L had or has where he's your rapper's favorite rapper. But Tech was always a little bit above that too. Every one of his albums, for the most part, until I want to say maybe fucking Planet in 2018 was always something I think special in and of itself. And he put out a fuck ton of albums. Like, he really has had no hiatus, really, it looks like. And in the 2000s, I mean, he put out six albums alone. And that's also, there's mixtapes, and there's a lot of other shit he's doing. Um, Strange Music, though, I think, I think Absolute Power may be Tech's peak in a way. I don't think he fell off after it. I think he fell off with 2018. But in the grander scope of things, I think a lot of these albums also, like, they focus on something that Tech was personally dealing with. Absolute Power is a very sexually charged album. It is an album that deals with this idea of lust, but also tries to apply the realistic consequences to Tech's hedonistic lifestyle at the time, where he is cheating on his wife. And, like, the song, it's a fucking funny song without any context, and even with context, it's stupid. It's called Worst Enemy. It's a song where he's basically blaming all his problems like with being faithful to his <laughs> wife and with women and everything. At the end, he, it echoes, because of production from Rubonics, he, he's blaming, my dick, my dick. And it's really fucking stupid. It's really, but, really funny. If you're not really paying attention to that, then all you hear is, my dick. My dick! dick. <laughs> my yeah. dick. <laughs> Like, it's a really good album, though. And again, Tech 9 had a really hard life in the 2000s and in the 2010s. Like, again, this album is primarily focused on his issues with women. Like, even if we have a track like She Devil or Slither, they're not necessarily positive sex songs. Like, and that's not a comment on, um, that's a, when I say positive sex, I don't mean like some kind of, um, sexual positivity movement, none of that. What I mean is like, these aren't club bangers. I mean, you could play them in the club, but a lot of it, like Slither is about getting killed by a succubus. And She Devil is basically that, but with D12 in it too. And it's not even like uh, they really make it seem all that great towards the end. I think it's Caniva mentions that his marriage is going to fall apart because his wife's coming home. So it's like, I don't know. There are other tracks on here that do lay more into the gangster rap or even more horrorcore. Like, I would say Slither is partially horrorcore. Um, there's one track I forgot where he's talking about eating pussy and it's actually kind of graphic. Um, I don't remember what that track is. But yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, no, I was just going to say uh, uh, one of my favorite songs is the Slacker one and that, that kind of also feeds into the hedonistic lifestyle because he's just basically saying, hey, this is what I am. Uh, you can go fucking suck a dick, basically. <laughs> yeah. Know? And, like, honestly, that's kind of the sad thing, I think, with tech is, well, it's sad and good. So, 
and we can get into this later, I guess. Recently, um, strange music has changed a lot. Calhoun, who was a big name in it, left in 2015, and then Chris Calico left in 2021, so really it's just tech now. But tech's music, in my opinion, as someone who has listened to most of his albums, like I listened to Angelic, Absolute Power, Ever Ready, Killer, KOD, All Sixes and Sevens, uh, Something Else, which was actually my first tech album, um, Special Effects and The Storm, and then some after that, like Asinine and Planet. Tech kind of... And it's because he has sort of, in a way, broken through in a sense. He's not mainstream, mainstream, but he was never going to be. But he's basically, it feels like he's finally kind of becoming, you know, kind of basic in what he releases. It's not as experimental as it was, or as, like, he has some fucking song about killing a fucking girl, and it's named as something, a threadle what rhymes with thread will kill ya and it's like what the fuck's the point of this this isn't even a good track name but it's like <laughs> he, he's having fun i mean i guess that's all that really matters and you know he's not struggling like he used to in the 2000s and 2010s like his mom died in the 2010s so that's why you have some of the more depressing tracks on something else but like we just don't really have a lot of tracks from him that hit that hard anymore i'm kind of just more like fucking around you know like uh more nowadays i mean i started i think it's went down the hill when you know they he featured on Corey motherfucking taylor must be stopped that's that's where i i, I think it drew the line remember that i don't remember where we saw Corey taylor rap from slipknot he, he, wait he rapped in a yeah thing for Corey taylor oh i had no idea yeah yeah him and a few other uh rappers and we got to hear the oh, it's 2020. Yeah, uh, no, no, this wasn't on the album. I was just saying because you were saying, you know, like he kind of, you know, not fell off, but it's not as experimental. It's kind of more just now fucking around. I think in a way just... he did fall off, though. Like, okay, actually, I do remember Planet being okay, but then there's Nina, which, or yeah, Nina, which is okay. I never listened to Interfere. I just didn't really care to. And then there's Asin 9, which has the Dwayne Johnson song on it, which isn't a bad song. But the album just, I don't feel like, is worth listening to that much anymore. He's not as captivating as he was in the 2000s and 2010s, and that's completely fine, because I'd rather Tech not be fucking suffering while he's making music, if that makes sense. Right. Right. No, I get what you mean there. Oh, what about you, Grim? What 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 were your thoughts oh, on it? Um, I don't have too much uh, to say, honestly. I, I really like this. I don't really. Um, I haven't heard too much Tech Nine outside of this. Um, I I think we've definitely listened to some, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I like uh, I'm a player being a spoof of uh, Rock Me on the Dais. I I think that's pretty like it, it was pretty fun. I liked most of the most of these tracks i liked the absolute power i liked she devil i think i definitely remember hearing that one like when i was younger yada 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 i liked that i liked slacker a worst enemy even though the punch <laughs> it, it's pretty good i played all of these tracks for you years ago in 2016 yes you okay. heard them uh yeah and um just to add on um so a lot of his influences he says that uh are like specifically sites like NWA, Public Enemy, Boogie Down Productions, Eric B, and Rakim, and Schooly D, and Just Ice, which uh, that's really funny that there's, you know, Ice T, 
ice cube and then there's just ice <laughs> that's actually really good uh, uh he's also interested in other genres of music and he's obviously has went out and uh done other genres with different people like i remember he did one with five for new death punch even though it was a uh a rendition of mama said knock you out he still did it and it was still in the style of metal and he's listed like the doors uh led zeppelin acdc metallica um and all that as like influences as well uh, like and then also like CeeLo Green and Outcast, he really loves. And I could actually get the big Outcast feel from him, honestly. If I if I really think about it, I I think that is a thing that does shine through. He's remarked generally that he just loves music, uh, beautiful music, no matter what type. He has so, a song called "I Love Music." Wow, Tech, that that was straight to the point. <laughs> I mean, that's really good. That uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get to the ratings. Um, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I am also going to give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to have to give it a 10 out of 10. Alrighty. Wow, guess what? That's a 9.999999999998 out of 10 mystery meat sticks. It's a 10 out of 10 mystery meat sticks. Hell yeah, man. Alrighty, uh, now we're going to go off... Uh, and talk about a little bit of Fair Abraham. Uh, Robbie, would you like to start us off? So come on, boys and gals. Let's have a barbecue. Farrah Abraham is a name you probably only know about because of a 2009 MTV show called 16 and Pregnant. Uh, it, it's a show that was meant to document the lives of pregnant teenagers across the United States. Wow, how interesting. Anyways, she was 17, and she was selected to appear on this in 2008. So, yeah, um, wow, that's a, that's a confusing thing, Wikipedia, what the fuck. Anyways, her pregnancy caused issues between her and her mother, who called her daughter a whore and prevented her from getting an abortion. So Abraham had to stop being a cheerleader. And during filming, um, the father of her child, Derek Underwood, died in a car accident. So she gave birth to the couple's daughter on February 23rd of 2009. And this album would come out three years later. It also came out with a book with the same title. I did not read the book. I do not care to. But the book's basically about her teenage pro pregnancy, the problems she was facing, including depression, uh, drug abuse, her father getting arrested, her boyfriend's death, and her, who was her on-again, off-again boyfriend. And while the album's meant as a companion to the book, paralleling the themes with each of the ten songs sharing a title with the chapter of the book, and also the album has recurring little motifs like uh, the flower plucking games, you know, like, he loves me, he loves me not, that bullshit. This album has also been uh, said by some nerds and geeks to um, be where hyperpop started, or be among, like, proto-hyperpop. Hyperpop is an extremely fucking 2020s a genre, early 2010s genre, 2020s. It's loosely defined as a microgenre that came out of the UK. Remember Farrah Abraham's from the US, but still, it's a, um exaggerated take on pop music, and the artists in the genre try to integrate pop and avant-garde um, ideas with themes found in electro, hip-hop, and dance. It's often linked to LGBTQ communities, and a lot of the key figures identify as part of that community. 
Um, if you know who Charlie XCX is, uh, she is apparently hyper pop. So really? yeah, apparently, or she yes yeah. yes she is. Now <clears throat> to get into the album itself, the production is horrifically shit done by. Uh, a mixing engineer who goes by FRDRK, which is him shortening his name. His full name is Frederick M. Aquivis. They met at the post-production facility for 16 and Pregnant. Several months later, she approaches him and asks him to produce a record for her inspired by the song Cinema by Benny Benassi. She recorded her vocals on a click track and the production was handled separately. Aquivis stated in an interview with The Fader, like, she'd heard it before and approved it for that song, but as she was recording, we never had the music on. Abraham also wanted the auto-tune on her vocals to sound edgy, so worked with Quavis to make them more aggressive. This album's production is surprisingly not ear-bleeding. It is horrific. It's, some critics called it bland. I wouldn't say it's bland. I'd say it's interesting, but it's noise. The genres this album's listed under for Wikipedia are outsider music, which is music created by self-taught musicians, essentially. Um, Witch House, which is a electronic music that showed up in the 2010s. It's normally dark and occultic. House music, which is just dance music. Avant-garde music. Noise music, which is literally noise. And again, proto-hyperpop. It's a 27-minute album, thankfully. Yeah, it's not very, very long, but... Yeah, it's not. um... It's also extremely polarizing. You have people saying that this thing... You have people saying this is like a pioneer in a genre, and then you have other people calling this dog shit. I think the story behind the album is actually really interesting. I think Thera Abraham, to some extent, herself is interesting. She has never made another musical album. She did release two other songs after it, Blowin' in 2014, and another song in 2020 called Jingle Bell Rock featuring her daughter. Also, she was on Big Brother, and also she was arrested in January of 2022 after assaulting a nightclub security guard. So, you know, reality star bullshit. Yeah. Wow. Um, the oh, album you know. cover, I, I know we didn't talk about the Tech 9 one. I like that album cover. It has really good energy. This one gives me the energy of a fucking politician putting in their fucking... Look at this. Her kid's in here. She's right here, smiling. It looks like she's about to announce a run. But then I you have thought, my teenage dream ended in pink. Dude, I thought this was yeah. like a movie. I thought this was like from a movie, honestly, when I looked at the, at the album that. cover. Because it looks like a movie. God. It does look like a Lifetime <laughs> movie. Ugh. Um, yeah, what do you guys it, think of it? It reminds me of... You remember, like, at the end of the Portal Games... When GLaDOS sings a song, that's kind of like what it reminds How me of. How dare you insult GLaDOS and by extension <laughs> Shodan. So let me make something clear. Yes, GLaDOS sounds haha funny, but that's on purpose because she's a direct reference to Shodan, who sounds extremely similar but is fucking creepy and trying to kill you on a space station she controls. Um, GLaDOS is just the comedic version of Shodan. Farah Abraham is just noisy. Um, I would actually compare this album to a Kanye West album, 808s and Heartbreaks, where Kanye uses a shit ton of autotune, but he does it in a way that makes sense, and he does it to make the album feel colder and more distant, because it's horrifically depressing. Uh, Farrah yeah, over uh, here is just trying to be edgy. Yeah, it, it just did not work at all, uh, and it just, it basically, yeah, it just, it's just a pile of noise to me, it, it was, 
nothing I really latched onto. Uh, I was just immediately disinterested in it, honestly. Like from the first song and on, I'm just kind of like, I really hope this ends really, really soon. And, and even though it's not that long of an album, it uh, is a little too long for me. Yeah, in, in a weird way, I kind of... When I say vibe, I, I didn't mean enjoy. But like, you know, it's kind of like... Yeah, this is this is happening. I guess I kind of liked the beats from the beat from finally getting up from rock bottom. Uh, I I really didn't like it that much. I mean, I will say I will say here in the story, it does make it a bit more interesting. Uh, but the album by itself, nah, it was not that great. It's essentially all. a teen girl venting. Um, you can find the artistic versions of this in such fun things like Deviant Art. And if you want the rapper version of this, you can go listen to Eminem on the Slim Shady or Marshall Mathers LPs, which are also much more listenable than this. Oh, yeah. Wait the lyrics, though, are interesting, I think. Um, the main issue is the production. Um, I don't, I'm not saying it would be a good album if you know they had proper fucking production values. But the lyrics are not the worst yeah. thing. They're actually interesting to read. It's just, again, the production just makes it annoying. I would say if they had good production, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be a hit album, but it would definitely probably be a better album, yeah. Um, probably a way more listenable album. I just I just felt like the choices that were made there were kind of nonsense. You know, the delivery was just kind of messed up there for the production. I would never want Frederick to mix anything for me. Oh, God, he got work on San Andreas, Pixels, and White House Down. Oh, God. What the fuck? That's fucking crazy. And Furious 7. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you think? Oh, well, I ain't got much else to add, but... <laughs> yeah, this was this was a thing that, that existed, I guess. Uh, the, the story was interesting, but that's, like, the most I care about this album. Here, one more little thing from the critics at the time. In late 2017, Duncan Cooper of The Fader wrote that Farrah Abraham's pop music should make her an avant-garde icon. I disagree entirely. If Kanye hadn't gone um, um, all fucking unhinged, batshit, insane son of a bitch the last like three years, four years, five years, then I would say Kanye deserves to be an avant-garde icon and not Farrah. But okay, let's get to ratings. I'm giving this a four. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to give it, I'm going to give it a three. I was going to give it a two. Uh, don't worry, buddy. I'm, I'm giving it a two. I, what, what the fuck is that dude smoking saying it was avant-garde? Genuinely. I, I just want to Because all avant-garde means is pretentious experimental bullshit. I, I know, not but it like, being good or not. I, I would. I want him to listen to power tools. I, I and then tell me why he hates it. Because he'll hate it. There's a lot of good reasons to hate it. There's also a lot of good reasons to hate this dog shit, though. And I don't want to listen to either of them. If you force me, yeah, I'll choose My Teenage Dream. And that's because My Teenage Dream is not anywhere near as edgy as Power Tools. So, yeah, that's an overall 3 out of 10 mystery meat sticks and uh, Ruben Ooh. traumatized. Yeah, I, I, I am a bit traumatized. Uh, and, okay, well, after that... Now we're going to go into the blackest of the black, Black Sabbath. Go on. This animated drawing shows how a farrowing house without a guardrail permits the sow to lie on her offspring, causing injury or death. Actually, they're British. They're not black. 
God. The Have you British seen Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah, I've seen Ozzy Osbourne. He's the whitest <laughs> man to grace the human race. He looks like death. <laughs> he he, he looks death. like... Yeah, well, like, like if you see him now, like, it looks like... I think he's, like, only in his 70s, but it looks like he just turned 200. That's what it looks he like. He did just turn 200. What do you mean? <laughs> Oh my god. He did come out of a coffin. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god. Fucking... Okay, Kareem, yeah, go on right. with the uh, with Black Sabbath. So, uh, Black Sabbath uh, were an English heavy metal band formed in 1968. Uh, and uh, founding members were uh, Ton- Ton- Tony Lamy. Is that right, Ruben? Tony Iommi. Okay, god damn it. I was saying Lamy for the longest <laughs> time. Okay. Okay, let's do that again. Alright, the founding members are Tony Iommi, uh, Bill Ward, Geezer Butler, and Ozzy Osbourne. Um, there's a there's a lot. Um, they've had some other members over the years, uh, notably Ronnie James Dio. Um, if, if we ever talk about Sabbath again, we could probably bring him up again. But um, we're talking about the debut. Ronnie James Dio is better than Ozzy Osbourne. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Black Sabbath <laughs> is cited as... One of the bands that really started heavy metal, the, the, the entire genre. The band was originally called Polka Tulk Blues, the, the Polka Tulk Blues Band. The, the name, uh, it's not really clear what the name's origin is. It was either a brand of talcum powder or an Indian slash Pakistani clothing shop. I, I don't know what the full story is on that. But uh, eventually they shortened it to Polka Tulk, and then they changed it to Earth. But in 1969, they realized that their band was getting confused for another English group called Earth, so they had to change their name again. And around that time, uh, when they were looking for a new name, it just so happened to have a movie theater uh, across from where they were doing rehearsals, and it was showing a 1963 horror movie film called Black Sabbath, uh, which kind of uh, got Osborne and Butler to... uh, uh, think about like writing the song Black Sabbath. They're also inspired by the work of horror and adventure story writer Dennis Wheatley. And Butler had a, a dream about like a black silhouetted figure standing at the foot of his bed. I thought it was Ozzy, but I, I guess it was. And that like the whole idea of the song and the concept was what really got the whole like band to kind of. Uh, change the name to Black Sabbath. They're really into like the the theme, the darker themes that the song was going for. And when they were uh, coming up with like the instrumental and stuff, they liked the heavier sound they're going for. I'm gonna just uh, fast forward ahead. Um, they've had a bunch of different members, like I said. And despite leaving in 1979, Ozzy did do some more work with the band. And the other founding members, but the band officially ended in 2017. All right. So the debut album, Black Sabbath, was released in 1970. And the heavy metal sound that kind of that the album has and kind of helped kickstart heavy metal as a genre was uh, started due to Tony Iommi's uh, distinctive playing style because he had uh, an accident at a metal sheet factory when he was 17 that caused to that that left him with like missing the tips of uh, a couple of his fingers that he used to like fret on the guitar 
So he created like some false fingertips from plastic dish detergent bottle caps. And he, because he couldn't like hit certain strings that he used to, he had to um, go lower. Like, so he used to hit like the, um, the fourth, uh, I, I'm not sure on the technical terms, but the, uh, he, he had to go like lower on the chords than he was used to. And that kind of resulted in the sound being more like heavier. And that was kind of why, and then they all kind of uh, went with that sort of style. I mean, you definitely can hear it in the first song. I mean, it's, it's really dreary and, you know, like it, it, it just starts off like just heavy and depressing. You know, it's like, down, down, down. Yeah. You know, like, like it just, it already starts off like, you can kind of get the feeling and tone of the whole thing, but it definitely, <coughs> it definitely is a different sound. I, I bet it was very different back in that day because you didn't really hear a lot of that kind of depressing kind of stuff. He regrets losing his fingertips, by the way. I read that on Wikipedia. Well, I mean, I don't blame him. If I lost my fingertips, I'd be pretty fucking sad about that. Um, <laughs> uh, Fun fact about this album, according to Tommy... I mean, I keep saying Tommy. It's Tony. According to Tony Iommi, this entire album was recorded in a 12-hour session, uh, which I, I don't know how, like, the average recording session for an album is, but the, doing it just 12 hours straight, that, that's pretty crazy. To me. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, what, what do you think about the album? Because I really like this. Aside from me thinking Dio's better than Ozzy, I actually think this is a really good album. I think it's a very good metal album. And in general, I, I, I don't really think it's that horribly overrated i feel like a lot of people will say black sabbath are some of the best and i don't disagree and i think this album really does go to show that um ozzy's vocals especially are extremely haunting at times but even then you know as much shit as i might give ozzy as a joke the man does or at least did have that talent to you know sing the way he does and his stage persona helps that infinitely more because honestly, when you look at him, I feel like for some people, when they picture someone like Aleister Crowley or Anton LaVey, they might think Ozzy because Ozzy, for the longest time, was trying to do, you know, that edgy Prince of Darkness bullshit. Um, and I think he did it well. You know, you know, in the 2000s, he kind of became a meme. But that's just how, what happens when you become rich and old. You you become a real, reality television star. You you don't want to. That's all. It also happens when um, I should not be making jokes about Farah Abraham during this. Anyways, um, no, I think it's a very good album. I don't mind listening to it. I don't personally listen to a lot of '70s albums that much, so I don't know if I'd go back to it often of my own accord. But I wouldn't mind if it's played. And also, never look up the Ozzy Osbourne performance at BlizzCon. <laughs> no, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, it was. No, it was not. That's Ozzy's <laughs> performance right there. That's pretty much how and, it went. Then, and then and then and then what you hear, like you'll hear clearly himself him saying, Are you ready, fuckers? <laughs> and that's it. That's all you fucking you recognize of any of the songs. You can't fucking oh. hear him. Weird shit. He's He's 
Dude, it was a bad, oh. bad day. It was a bad <laughs> concert. I feel really bad for anybody that went to that BlizzCon because Blizz everyone Con was so fucking excited. <laughs> Dude, everyone was so psyched. They were like, oh my god, Ozzy Osbourne's are going to come to BlizzCon this year. Oh my fucking god. I was like, I was even going like, oh my fucking god, I need to go to BlizzCon. And I didn't go to BlizzCon, but I watched, I watched the fucking the, the, uh, concert. And I was like, oh my god, this is the worst <laughs> live fucking show I have ever ever fucking I, I was an 11 year old kid who heard all these great things about Ozzy and then all I'm seeing on the live stream is an old man <laughs> on the stage going I mean apparently yeah, like people some women threw their panties on stage oh. which I don't know what the <laughs> why you know Ozzy can't sing right now God, I remember I remember reading about it I'm not going to try to go on too long but i remember reading about it i think or not reading about it, but hearing somewhere like his uh his voice uh like it, he was like sick so like he was his voice wasn't even that fucking good uh at all so like when he went to go out and sing he couldn't hit the high notes he couldn't hit any kind of note uh because he was fucking sick but the thing is is like you know i i appreciate your dedication but I would have rather had the fucking living year old that came out and ripped on the guitar play for the whole show than rather listen to you, Ozzy. That was really sad. I, I would have <laughs> rather the uh, level 80 elite torn chieftains played the entire show. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was that. It was, it, yeah, it was, it would have been cooler. It would have been cooler than Ozzy, and that is fucking sad to yeah. say. But anyways. Yeah, dude, it was horrible. It was just bad. But this album is pretty good. And I know that Ozzy, he he can play live stuff. I don't know anymore. Like, I think at a certain age, he kind of just uh, kind of lost the ability. And I think people mainly go to see his shows because it's just Ozzy and he puts on a gimmick. And, you know, he's he still has that kind of higher energy, even though he's in his like 70s i think the uh, drugs and booze kind of fucked him up a bit much yeah, oh yeah yeah it definitely caught up to him i made him look like he was uh dracula <laughs> but not like the sexy he dracula. is dracula what do you mean <laughs> yeah ever since he bit the, that bat's head off Right, yeah. That back was his weird. baby mama and he did not want to pay child support again in romania <laughs> oh god uh, but this album is really strong. It comes off really strong. You really definitely get the heavy metal vibes. Uh, there's some uh, blues in there as well uh, that they do. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a great album, uh, and it's nothing compared to BlizzCon of 2009. Yeah, uh, I, I liked a lot of these tracks. Nib probably my favorite. Um, I really like the album art too it's really nice do you guys have anything else or do you want to just go into ratings the album art's cool it reminds me of the video game covers for some of those itch.io games that are like ps2 or ps1 variant things that's neat yeah we can do ratings what do you think ruben uh i am personally gonna give this probably a nine out of ten i'm giving it a ten i'll give it a nine. Oh wow oh shit i i liked it more than you guys <laughs> did holy fuck Dang, Damn, that's I'm horrible. sorry, that's Ozzy. Crazy. That's oh, a also, nine point three out of ten mystery meat sticks for Ozzy. Damn. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, Ozzy, but you're not the Prince of Darkness. You're you're the Prince what of the Falling fuck Apart. What do you mean? He <laughs> is the Prince of Darkness. Of course, he's falling apart. God, God, Ruben. Oh God, it is so bad. He falls apart every time the sun rises. You stupid idiot. Alrighty. Uh, so, anyways, uh, just an announcement, guys. Uh, we are gonna be going on a break. Uh, but we will be back soon, and we will have more things for you. And also, we're going to be found on Spotify now, and then also look forward to our skits coming out on YouTube. For the next episode, I, I, I'm going to make them listen to a very 2000s album called Vapor Transmission by Orgy. Oh my god. <laughs> What's yours, Kareem? Uh, mine's is Mental Health by Quiet Riot. That says Metal Health. Yeah, it's Metal Health. No, it's Metal Health. Yeah, you need Mental Health. That's Yeah, <laughs> it's Metal Health by Quiet Riot. Yeah, it... alright. And then mine's gonna actually just be Run the Jewels by Run the Jewels. This is their first the studio Jewels. album. I hope their song Run their the thing. Jewels is on it. The, yeah, there's a song called Run the Jewels. I'm pretty but sure. Not, oh yeah, it's the first track. Wow, cool. Yeah, Run the Jewels by Run the Jewels on the album Run the Jewels. Please stay right. uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel because of comedy and potentially movie reviews and the rest of this shit will be on Spotify. Okay, bye. See ya. Bye-bye. See you later. Cocksuckers. Wow.